Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Clark and I are excited to continue through the book of Matthew today. We're looking at Matthew chapter 8. So lots been going on and a lot's going to continue to go on. Yes. Here we go. Chapter begins, a man with leprosy comes and wants to talk to Jesus. And so at this Mm -hmm. time, leprosy was a disease that would really kill the nerve endings of the body. And so if you were walking around and you, let's say, smashed your toe, and back in this day you were in sandals, you're walking in the dirt, it would get infected and you would not feel it. And then in time, your body would rot, your limbs would fall off, your digits would fall off. And then people were scared that this was contagious. And so what would happen was people would have to scream out, unclean unclean yeah you know it had been like aids decades ago Mm -hmm. this right here where people shunned them there was leper colonies that had to be a certain number of feet or miles away from other aspects of civilization and this guy shows some courage he he wants to be healed and so he comes Mm -hmm. and cries out and jesus heals the guy yeah there's contact jesus Mm -hmm. is here for him and so while this man is courageous and humble i think one of the bigger takeaways for us when it comes to god as he relates to people, is that God is looking for people who know they need help. Yeah. And that's what this guy exhibited. He said, hey, I can't do this on my own. I I believe that you can heal me. Will you please heal me? Mm -hmm. And Jesus does. That's what it really reveals the heart of God here in Jesus, because you understand that that's the question, right, is... um, He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can... Like, I know you can do it. Mm -hmm. I know you can do it. Um, you know, if you're willing, will you do it? And and so he says, you know, I, I'm willing, let's go for it. And so I think you understand there, which is what what Jesus does so well for us is gives us this clear picture of God and who God is and his heart for humanity that, you know, that we'll see on full display at the end of the chapter. But here we're already getting glimpses of it that he just longs for wholeness and for wellness for yeah. people with them. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you're unsure why, if you look at verse four, we're unsure why Jesus tells him to remain silent and not tell people specifically about Jesus. He's supposed to go show the priest what has happened so Mm -hmm. that he can re-enter society. But I think Jesus knows once word gets out of his ministry. It's not time. It's not time yet. It's Mm going to make his ministry actually more difficult. Crowds of people, opposition, all these things. And so that's what oftentimes people think was happening in Mm -hmm. this situation. Um, As you keep going, though, word spreads. And pretty soon you have Roman centurions that get word. And what happens in verses 5 through 13 is there's a Roman centurion who needed help. He said his servant was home lying sick and needed help. And so he sent servants on his behalf to talk to Jesus. Right. And then in this, you can kind of unpack it for us, but there's a back and forth a little bit between the servants and Jesus that really Mm -hmm. reveals the heart posture of the centurion. Yeah. So if you imagine too, just even social like positioning. So we just had Jesus healing a man who was at the the bottom of the totem pole completely in every way, Mm -hmm. socially, with his health, um, every way. And so now we have a man who's at the top of the ladder who is like not even when it comes to Roman actually hierarchy, he's up on the ladder too. So you would imagine maybe like a governor or someone today who like is known, has a name and understands hierarchy, understands like, you know, positions of authority and leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's coming to Jesus now and saying, I need help. Um, and I know you can help me again, very similar to the man with leprosy. And so what's, what's so amazing about this story as they go back and forth is that, um, the centurion, while he shows great humility, he 
it's his faith that Jesus calls out. Hmm. And so I'm trying to find the verse. Oh, yes. So verses 9 and 10. From, For I myself am a man under authority, understands that with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Mm. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said the following, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And so this is kind of one of those hallmark texts because when we 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 are going to continue to read about faith throughout Matthew chapter 8 and how um you know that's a, a means of working these miracles but this is a guy who has no business having any faith in Jesus at all in fact yeah. he's one of the like oh I can just buy it or I can just use my authority and take it and here he comes saying I need help and and I actually believe yeah. in such a way that Jesus does it was at Jesus word that the servants healed he did, nobody has to go anywhere <laughs> yes, yeah, the guy to- just totally. says, I believe and and then it happens and you think about the authority that God has here um because there, yeah. there are other people that have authority like this Roman centurion has mm-hmm. authority he could have authority to kill someone he could have authority to promote someone within his ranks right he had authority to make money or whatever but only God has the authority to reverse death. Right. And that's oh, what yeah. you see here. Someone literally is sick and dying, and yeah. Jesus is the one who, at his word, brings healing. Yeah. And so the people are looking and re- grappling with, who is this How? guy? Yes. How is this happening? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is just showing, again, the heart of God, mm-hmm. who he is, why he's come. Yeah. It's getting clearer and clearer. And so the, the topic of healing continues. It does. It continues in a really intimate way. So this is yeah. Peter's mother-in-law. So now we're looking at verses like 14 through 17. Yeah. And so this just really sums up where we've been with the leper, with the centurion. And now we have this really intimate healing with Peter's mother-in-law where she had been in bed with a fever. And then Jesus comes, he touched her and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. And so you can see how... Um, there's oh sorry i'll continue when evening came many who were demon possessed were Mm. brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick this was to fulfill all that was spoken and so i want to include that because that's such a huge piece too of understanding this kind of healing but so we see um you know the desire we see the willingness we see conversation in the lepers and in um in the centurion and now here's someone who knows what the conversation was like yeah you know peter with like um his wife like okay kind of knowing like something's not good you know she's not feeling good but then it's that touch mm. so we understand like the their power of words we understand the power that's in authority and relational power and now we understand the power of touch we see this how it's like wow in all yeah. of these aspects jesus is overall he is the guy and people now like you're saying um, even though word hasn't maybe there's not been permission from Jesus for word to get out, you know, that that I am who I am, that he is the Messiah, that he's like the guy. Yeah. It's happening because of the healing. Yeah. People and, are, and at are this noticing time, his healing touch is blasting down these boundaries and walls that divide across people. every barrier. So, like you said, yeah. at the beginning of the chapter at the top, you have these uh, ethical and purity laws that are shattered because oh, yeah. Jesus is talking to a leper who is supposed to be shouting unclean, unclean Mm -hmm. if he comes into the vicinity. And then you have more like the, the cultural and ethnic boundaries where he's like, why, why would Jesus talk to a Gentile who is a soldier and who is incredibly wealthy? Right. Jesus is none of those three things. Mm -hmm. The Jewish common folk are not. He does that. And then here you have a gender boundary. He is in the home of people appropriately and intimately bringing healing. And so I just love that. This is, what God does and who he is. Yeah. Like you said, this is his touch and his healing Mm. is often holistic. Sometimes when you think about healing, we might, um, 
almost like put God in a box, like, oh, it's just physical healing or it's right, just like a piece whatever. Of the pie. But here you have, mm-hmm. you, you have healing physically, um, relationally, mm-hmm. communally, um, obviously spiritually, emotionally. Mm-hmm. It's like God's a holistic healer and he wants us to be whole and integrated and healthy yeah. in every way. And then as we follow Jesus, though, this is what he gets at next. He makes it yeah. really clear what's required because people are going to say, of course, I want to be healed. Exactly. Of course, I want 100%. this. hundred percent. Everybody and their dog are coming now. Yeah. And Jesus <laughs> is like, well, here is what you need to do if you're going to follow me. Yeah. Verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. When the teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his mm-hmm. head. Another disciple to, to, said to him, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the bet dead bury their own dead. Mm-hmm. Now, this sounds extreme, very extreme. Yeah. Um, especially when it's dealing with a family member who's just passed away. But Jesus is using extreme language just to make his point. Yeah. He's saying you literally have to be committed all in. Jesus wants all of you. He doesn't just want like your right arm and leg. He wants your mind. He wants your heart. He wants your body. He wants your money. He wants your sexuality. He wants your relationships. He wants your hobbies. Why? Because God is the only one that can bring a proper and healthy alignment to all of those things that allows you to flourish the way God's designed life to be lived. Mm -hmm. And so he's not trying to be a cosmic killjoy or a fun hater. He's actually wanting you to have the most joy, have the most um, uh, life, really, when it comes to like, how do you live in this world. So when you look at this verse in light of the other Bible verses, Jesus says like, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross yeah. and follow me. Yep. It's like, that's so foreign to the message of the world today. Cause it's all about the self, self salvation, um, self improvement, self help. And Jesus is like, you can't do those things, not mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God. God's got to be at the center of those things and you will have life and have life to the full. Yeah. Um, then you have an, another section here. I mean, Matthew is just really going for it. Jesus, I know. Cal- calming, <laughs> so much to talk about. <laughs> Jesus calming the storm. I love this story, though. So now you have the crowd starting to form. You Because we've had Sermon on the Mount. We've yeah. got these healings, you know. And now Jesus is kind of getting to the meat of the message, though, too, where he's like, hey, I'm not just here to talk. I'm not here to talk to thousands of people about things that are real and, and how what the, how the kingdom of God works. Although that's a big part of it. I'm not just here for your physical well-being. Mm-hmm. I'm actually here for your soul and I'm here for all of you. Yeah. And so um, so people are starting to follow him. So what happens is they get in a boat and the disciples follow him. And without warning, when they're on the lake, there's these huge waves that come and there's a big storm out on the water. Mm. And Jesus calms the storm. I love in the Sally Lloyd-Jones storybook Bible, um, <clears throat> we'll get to that. I mean, right now, the, the verse 25, the disciples went and woke him because Jesus was asleep yeah. saying, Lord, save us. We're going to John. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. I know I've mentioned this before, but the disciples amazement that come hmm. right after this is because they have seen him in his authority. They've seen him speak to thousands of people. They've seen him heal. They're beginning to understand. But now they're seeing like, oh my goodness, even creation itself obey. What kind of man is this? Like when we talk about the fear of the Lord, this is one of the stories that comes to my mind in the New Testament because we have Old Testament stories where I think it's a little bit easier to come up with that. This is one of them in the New Testament. And in the Sally Lloyd-Jones Bible, 
I love the picture because, you know, the picture is really dark and scary and the waves are really big. And then you turn the page and it's almost a straight line. It's totally still and yeah. peaceful. And I think she says this, that, um, that the wind and the waves recognized his voice from creation. Yeah. And I think about, you know, the context of that with everybody coming and everything that's happened, the disciples and the fear and how Jesus just steps in and says, it's me. I am who I am and I'm going to take care of you. And so that's why that, that phrase, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? So let's talk about this, these kinds of faith. Yeah, I think it's important because one, when you read this in the context of the Bible, Jesus yes. is addressing their lack of, of faith, specifically okay. their size of faith. He says little faith. Yes. So what we talk about mm -hmm. as just Reformed Christians and just Christians in general is Jesus always, first and foremost, needs, needs to be the object of our faith. Yeah. It needs to be the focus. Like, wh where is the faith mm. coming from and going to? It has to be Christ, first and foremost, always. Yeah. Um, the saving faith that the Bible talks about says that this is a gift from God. It's free. Yeah. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn this. Mm -hmm. It's really acknowledging, like the people in this chapter have done, I can't do this on my own. I need help. God, w would you save me? Mm -hmm. Would you rescue me? So there's that. After Jesus is the object of our faith, there are numerous passages that talk about the amount of our faith and sure. the size of your faith. So on one hand, the Bible teaches like you need to have faith the size of a mustard seed. It's very small, a mustard seed, but it's very potent and powerful. Mustard seeds right. grow and take over entire countrysides. And so while <laughs> it needs to be a little, it, it needs to be growing. Just like we talk about how faith is like yeah. a muscle exercise it, use it. And when you use your muscles in time, they'll get stronger and bigger and they'll be used for the glory of God. Jesus tells them here, you of little faith. Yeah. Clearly he's the object of their faith because they went to him They're for help. Like, yeah. Jesus, wake <laughs> up. What are you doing? But he says, you got to believe, believe more. Come on, what are you doing? And so yeah. then there are scriptures that talk about faith as a spiritual gift. You go to first Corinthians. That's what right. it's talking that's about. A different thing. Some yeah. people are blessed with this gift that allows them to have simply more faith that God can do supernatural things yeah. than other people. But at the end of the day, I don't think we need to get caught up and too discouraged as to like, how much is my faith? The focus is keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the, yeah. Keep believing. And if you do that in time, I believe the size of your faith will just naturally grow. I think that's the picture too that gets displayed so well in this story is because they're on a tiny boat. So yeah. if you think about the agrarian culture that it was at the time, like these people did not go in boats that often. Uh, they were fishermen. Well, terrified of the sea and the myths. There were all the kinds of mythology yeah. about water and what could be going and lurking underneath the water. And so anyway, so what's curious about that is the picture there. Because so often in life with us too, our circumstances are overwhelming. We are, we're, our lips are above water, but the rest of us, we are underwater, whether mm. it's parenting or work or financial stresses or marriage or friends or lack of friends or internet, you know, what, so many things cause our circumstance to pick, be a picture of this kind of a storm. That's like, maybe, you know, you're on the boat, but maybe you're out of the boat and you're, you're drowning and it's, you're underwater. And so imagining the ability in this story to be able to not focus on the storm, hmm. but to focus on the truth that Jesus is with you, that he's in authority, that he's able to overcome this and, and actually believing 
I think is such an encouragement for me when yeah. I think about the picture of the storm. And again, the, the kid's Bible, right? Because it's such a beautiful artistic display of the truth here. That's like, because the truth is Jesus is the guy mm. like we're talking about. So we continue as we march on. We're almost there at the end of chapter eight. Yeah, almost done. And you get another visual here, another guy. visual of the authority that people, it's, it is kind of uncomfortable. Like, why did he do that? What was he trying to do? So yeah. break this down yeah, for us. Kind of the summary of the, this passage and mm -hmm. the conclusion of, of this chapter is that they were traveling and there's a region where there was two demon possessed men right. who were so crazy and Violent. out of control. Yeah. People couldn't overcome them and couldn't even go in the area. Right. Jesus shows up and the demonic immediately recognizes no. who he is. They're like, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Meaning yes. there is going to be a judgment. Demonic know that they know they're going to get cast into the lake of fire and they're losers in that Jesus has already. Been, well, they call him son of God. Yeah. They know he's God yeah. in the flesh. Mm -hmm. they, they know these things. And so Jesus allows them to leave because demonic are often looking for a place to live. They're, they're bodiless. So they're trying to right. inhabit physical places here on earth. Um, he sends them into this herd of pigs. Mm -hmm. The pigs run down the mountainside and drown mm -hmm. and die. And so mm -hmm. at face value, you're like, what is happening? And why would Jesus do this? Yep. There's a couple of reasons why we think commentators think. One, Jesus wanted to exert his authority over evil. And just right. let everybody know evil's real. I'm stronger than it. Mm -hmm. Two, allowing the demonic to go into this herd actually gave the people there a visual for the, the width yeah. and the depth and mm -hmm. the, the reality of the spiritual realm. Yes. Like, oh, man, he's just not playing tricks or making up a game. Right. A uh, hundred or a thousand pigs, whatever it was, just literally ran and drowned in the thing. Like, right. The spiritual mm -hmm. forces are real here and mm -hmm. powerful. And the third thing is actually like a, a gift of God and a, an act of kindness. People knew this man truly had a problem in that now right. he's truly saved. Mm -hmm. So as he was able to re-enter society, hopefully welcomed with wide open arms because now that th th these men are delivered. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, thank you, God, for being over evil, yeah. reminding us that this spiritual realm is real. And then thirdly, helping this guy hopefully be brought back into society to his friends and family, mm -hmm. both of the men. So that's it. Good stuff, you guys. In Matthew chapter 8, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We're going to keep going through the book of Matthew. And so come back yeah. tomorrow, Matthew chapter 9. Um, super blessed to be with you. Talk about the scriptures in your car, with your family, with your roommate, wherever you're at, you're going to be blessed. Yeah. See you guys tomorrow. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.